Okay, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone has had a good day in the Lord, and uh, I'm excited about all that He's doing, and uh, want to continue to do. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to First Samuel chapter number eighteen. First Samuel chapter number eighteen, and as we go there, we um, progressing along in David's life and. And uh, the situations that that occur to him, we come to a situation. Um, a lot of practical teaching here. A lot. I'll just say that before we we get started. Good. Um, Saul. Saul is about to. He, he's getting ready. The 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 wheel or the ball is getting rolling, and his process of turning on David and uh, we we all know about Saul's turning on David and um what he does and if you know he'll he'll be after David's life David's essentially an outlaw for a while as Saul's continuance on the throne and he's Saul's can you know attempting to kill David we see that starting in our chapter tonight so first Samuel Chapter number 18, 1 Samuel chapter 18. I want you to look there with me, starting in verse number 1. And it starts with this situation. Now, it it, it would seem, as we would look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, this situation would seem like it's it's not really noteworthy. It's not something that um, we should take note of. But it's going to be an instrumental issue in time and situation in David's life. And just in these first few verses, as they tie into what's about to go on with Saul. And you know, that's how life is. Things that uh, seem minute, things that seem to be no big deal, oftentimes can lead to uh, great results you know, a bigger situation. And so we see this in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. We see a friendship bud between David and Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son. Now, there are a lot of factors that are going to go into this. Uh, One is um, the fact that it would just contribute to Saul's jealousy, which we haven't really saw yet. We will see very soon. And number two, um, due to his jealousy, there's going to be many, many occasions where Saul attempts to take the life of David. And Jonathan, the son of Saul, will be very responsible on many occasions for saving David's life. And that's that's wonderful. It's what a friend should do. But the beauty of this is at the expense of his own relationship with his own father. And I have to admire Jonathan. Jonathan's always been a, <clears throat> a uh, character, a subject in the Bible that I've admired. Um, for a lot of reasons, his relationship and his friendship with David and just how true he is. You know, I have to think that 
David was speaking of Jonathan when he said, you know, a friend loveth at all times. And, um, or, or that was actually Solomon that said that. But David, as he spoke on friendship through, through different occasions, uh, would, would often talk of uh, Jonathan. In fact, uh, one of the greatest heartbreaks in David's life will be when um, he, he is finally ultimately betrayed by Saul and he, um, he laments in Psalm 55. We will look at some Psalms um, during some of this study of David. Psalm 55 is a great one. But let's get in First Samuel 18, in verse number 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So Jonathan and David are becoming very close, very close friends. And the Bible says, And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, to his bow, to his girdle. What that has, what that is significant and signifying is that Jonathan would be, he'd be wearing uh, princely, prince wear, you know, he's dressed as a prince. His father's the king. He would be in line. Okay? But Jonathan sees something in David. Number one, he knows most likely that he's been anointed to be king. But when David stepped out into the valley of Elah and he defeated Goliath, and folks began to see David for his worth and see who David was and how great David's potential was. Jonathan knew then that I'm I'm not him. I'm not David. I'm not the man that David is. I love David. I admire David. I don't even aspire to be like David. I know who I am and I know who David is. And so I'm humbly stepping aside and I'm giving David everything that I have. I'm giving him not just these garments, not just this robe, not just the these belongings that I have. I'm willingly giving David my place of the throne. I'm giving him my place in the line. Now, there's a lot there that is chock full of good truth. Verses 1 through 4 of 1 Samuel 18 have, have early in my life and ministry had an extreme impact on me. An extreme impact. Because I was looking at it in terms of typology. And of course, David is a, is a, a wonderful picture and type of Jesus Christ. And Jonathan, in this situation, in typology, okay, now there's practical um, things going on here, practical issues, but the, the big thing is this. If David being a type of Christ, 
And then we've got Jonathan being a picture of you and I. Then we've got our example of of what we should be and who we should be. And that is willingly stepping aside, taking our place off of our throne, and allowing Jesus Christ to be in control. And so we see this in verse 4. Jonathan's soul is knit to David. He loves him as his own soul. And then he goes on to demonstrate that love. In verse 4, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him. That would be a princely robe in line to be the king. And gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a great act of humility. You see, Jonathan is heir to the throne. The problem is he's not chosen, called of God, nor anointed. And Jonathan would know better than anybody else the dangers of being in a position such as this king and not being the one chosen of God to do so. For you see, he has witnessed his father, Saul, in that role and what a disaster that it's turned out to be. And Saul, Jonathan loves David and he sees the, the good and he sees the potential and he sees who and what David is and is going to be and he willingly steps aside. That's tough. That's a challenge. It would be tough in the earthly realm, tough in the, you know, the physical realm to step aside and give up the, the throne, give up the kingship. But no tougher than it is for you and I to give up our self-will, what we think, what we want, and step aside and say, not my will, but thine, O Lord. You see that? You see that parallel? It's humility. It's pliability. It's meekness when it comes to God and his word. And that's what Jonathan does. Jonathan willingly steps aside and says, David, you take the throne. It's your throne. May we do that today. May I do that today. May I step aside and say, Lord, you take the throne. You take charge. You take control. Let me quit running my own life and my own situation as I see fit. Let's do so as, as you see fit, Lord. Verse number five, and David went out whither Saul was whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely, and Saul sent him over the men of war. Now this will also bear great impact later on. He said over the men of war, David will be a man of war. David will be a very bloody man. David will have many, many lives that he will be responsible for their deaths. And that will have an impact later on. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. 
Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So David is accepted. People know. People know the leader and the king that he's going to be. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel. Now here's the problem. Number one, Jonathan is knit to David. Jonathan will be closer to David than he will his own father Saul. But now we've got a, the bigger problem. The women come out singing and dancing. And the Bible says to all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played. And they said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David is ten thousands. That verse right there. Everything's going well between Saul and David. Saul loves David at this point. Things are going great. They're working together. David's working for Saul. He plays songs. He's over the warfare. He's basically in charge of the army. And then one day the women go out. And they're singing and they're dancing and they're praising. The problem is not even that they praise David, but they begin to praise David over Saul. And they make it public that David, Saul's slain his thousands, yet David his ten thousands. And at this point, jealousy rises up in the heart of Saul the relationship will begin to deteriorate, not because of David, but because of Saul. From this point forward, the chosen king of Israel, David, will have a bounty, a target on his back. Saul will do everything in his power to kill him and to prevent him from being king. All because of jealousy. All because of envy. That's what jealousy and envy does. They they rise up. They hate what is good, what is right. And it's subtle. And when it's subtle, you'll find that the person that harbors the jealousy and the envy will do anything they can to hurt that person to whom they're jealous of. Verse number 8. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he, what can he have more but the kingdom? Saul says, He's getting the kingdom. Why this? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand and Saul cast the javelin for he said I will smite David even to the wall with it and David avoided out of his presence twice. So you just put yourself in David's place in this situation. He's going to work like any other day. 
He's going about his business like any other day, and all of a sudden, here comes a spear, a javelin, being thrown, being hurled at him at the hands of his friend out of nowhere. And you know, David must wonder what he must have done to displease Saul so greatly. What 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 did I do that hurt Saul? I've defeated Goliath, I've I've played for him, I've loved him, I've befriended him, I'm best friends with his son. Why does he hate me? David doesn't even know why Saul would hate him. And you know that's how jealousy works. Sometimes the recipient of the venom of jealousy doesn't even know what he did wrong. He doesn't know where he went wrong. He just finds that he's the recipient of jealousy. And that's that's what you see in this situation. In verse number so it, and it says that, that two times on this occasion that Saul's tried to kill him with the spear, and David's been able to escape. So we look in verse 12, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. So Saul knows at this point that, that God is not with him. He knows that the Lord is with David. And so he begins to fear. I find that fascinating too. We've been on fear a lot. Notice that when the Lord is departed from Saul, that David beca- that Saul becomes afraid. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. So David, understanding the situation that he's in, he doesn't he, he makes every effort to not make it any worse. And the Bible says he behaves himself wisely. And then we, we go further, and the Bible said was the Lord was with him. And we know that. He's been chosen. He's been anointed. He's defeated Goliath. He is the coming king over the nation of Israel. And verse number 16, But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came before them. So Judah loves David. Israel loves David. And so both portions, both sides of the country are for David. They want David to be their king and their leader. And so we come to verse 17, And Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Merib. Her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but the hand, let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And David said unto Saul, Who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David that she was given unto Adriel, the Melahathite, to wife. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. Boy, so Saul had made a promise to David that Merib was going to be his wife, the daughter that Saul was going to give to David. But, in jealousy and hatred and anger, he, he goes back on his word. 
and he gives him Michael instead. Michael would be another daughter of Saul. And Saul says, I'm doing this because I know she'll be a snare unto him. And the Philistines will be able to overcome him with that snare. So Saul hadn't been able to physically kill him. In fact, it's this we're at the point now, if he does physically kill him, that there's a good chance Saul would be killed himself. David is that highly thought of. So what he does is he plants Michael in his path. And he says, I'm planting Michael in this path in an effort to be a snare to David, to trip David up, to make David stumble and to make him fall. And that the Philistines would be able to overcome him. Boy, the enemy sure is slick. The enemy's no the enemy knows what he's doing. He knows how to fight this battle. He's better at it than a lot of us. And he sets a snare in David's path that David may be overcome. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seeth, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. So David doesn't even feel worthy. Notice the difference in their hearts. Saul is cunning. Saul is is plotting. Saul is trifling and conniving. And David's heart's completely pure. He said, I'm not even worthy to have the wife of, of the one of the daughters of Saul. And the Bible says here, and the servants, verse 24, of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. So he says, I don't want anything. I just want you to go out kill the Philistines, circumcise them, to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. You see, he, he done like, mm, boy, this is tough. Knowing knowing what will be in David's future at some point, reading this, this is tough. Because what Saul's doing is he's setting David in the path of the Philistines with the hope that they're going to overcome and they're going to kill David. And so we see here in verse 26, And when his servants told David these words, It pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, he slew of the Philistines two hundred men. David brought their foreskins, gave them in full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, that Michael's Saul's daughter loved him. And Saul was yet more afraid of David, Saul became David's enemy continually. You see that it doesn't stop. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. We're going to close there, but before we do, let me make some closing comments. As as we have taught and looked at this lesson, we see the beginning 
of Saul's hatred and his despising of David, his jealousy of David. And we're going to start looking at all of the devices and the ways that Saul's going to try to overcome David. The Bible says concerning Satan that we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And the, the context of that is unforgiveness in the New Testament. Now we see here in the Old Testament example of these devices and these snares that will be set before David as a result of hatred, anger, and unforgiveness and jealousy. You see these vile sins that come from within permeate on the outside and corrupt. God is with David, but David still has to behave himself wisely. Help us to learn from that. Help us to go forward with that. As the, as the snares and the traps and the devices of the enemy are set to overcome us. Help us to remember. Help us to always understand that if we behave ourselves wisely, that we'll have protection from our Lord, for our Lord, or from our Lord. And so we see in this how this is beginning to unfold, starting the process of Saul and his despising of David. So this starts this journey of hatred. We see the relationship begin with Jonathan and David and their closeness and their relationship as it would start because it will be instrumental in the days ahead and David's life being saved from the hands of Saul. Let's close on that of the vileness, the wickedness, the ugliness of jealousy and the sin of jealousy and what it does and how it rises up. And David didn't even know it. It's envy. The Bible speaks of being envious and jealousy. David didn't even understand. David didn't even know why he was hated. He didn't even know that he was hated for a while until that javelin got thrown at him twice. David's heart's pure. He just loves God, wants to serve God, wants to serve the king. But the sin of jealousy is set out to wreck and ruin that. May we always keep that out of our hearts. When others have more than us, when others have maybe been blessed with something that we haven't been blessed with, maybe when others have a situation that we don't, Maybe they're better financially. Maybe their health's better. Maybe their relationships are better. Help us to never have that spirit of jealousy that so wrecks the lives and the relationships of so many because that's what happens with Saul. It happens silently, but it happens within. And as it starts to happen within, it begins to affect him outwardly and affect David and affect all of Israel, and it affects Saul's legacy. I don't want to live like that, and I sure don't want to die like that with the sin of jealousy in my heart. I hope you all have a great night. I will see you Wednesday. I love each one of you. Good night.